0: I'll gather in,
1: like to uh, welcome each one of you, we have um, some guests from Montana and from Pennsylvania here this morning, so uh, I'll introduce them a little later, but for now I'm going to read Psalm 46 starting in... Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge and strength. I love the verses that's where it says um, in verse 6, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. It's like, you know, we, we hear these days of all these powerful people with all this money and inciting wars and all this stuff going on and, the you know, nation's rage and all this. And God just utters his voice and the earth just melts. It's like, that's how great our God is. Amen. And we're gathered here to worship him and to praise him. What an honor and a privilege to worship Almighty God. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? Like, really, we get to not just sing songs, but to magnify and glorify Him. And uh, that's such a wonderful thing. Let's all stand up, and we'll have an opening prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God, with thankful hearts once again, Lord. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning, Lord Jesus. And God, as we're gathered here in this place, Father, I just pray that your presence would fill this place, Lord. God, we, we want to glorify you and make you known to all the earth, Lord Jesus. And God, I just pray that you'd be glorified in our midst this morning, God. We just want to lift you high, Father. Thank you for each one that's here, Lord. We just pray that your will would be done this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are God alone, Lord, and that you just utter your voice and the earth melts. Um, Lord, that nothing can surpass your greatness. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. que So we
1: The devastation, the things that we see in this life, things that we experience, Lord, that you have promised to make all things new. Father, I thank you for that, Lord. It is your breath in our lungs, and God, we owe our all to you, because you have given your all for us, Lord Jesus. God, I just lift up uh, my brother Rod and his wife Jenna to you this morning, Lord, and um, Father, I just pray for your grace to be shed on that family, Lord, that you would touch them. God, that you would touch Jenna, that you would give her peace, Lord. I pray that they would rest in you, God, that your all-encompassing the peace that passes understanding would just flood their hearts and minds for every one of the children, Lord. Father, we thank you that you hold them in your hands. We praise your
3: name. Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: testimony or prayer requests, feel free to share.
2: tremble at his voice all creation
1: King, sing together.
2: Come, people of the risen King, who delight to bring him praise. Come, all who tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of grace the shifting shadows of the earth we will lift our eyes to him hear steady arms of mercy reach to gather to
4: keeps getting smaller Lucas isn't coming up Brad thinks he got big okay Blake why don't you move over here that way you don't have to hide behind the post not everybody has to be like Sherry alright you got a song you want to sing Tiffany you got the joy 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 Boy, you might need some help up here for that one. We'll see how you guys are, we'll see how good you can. You going to be good? So how about we have everybody that's um, a teenager. Oh, don't put that back in your mouth. Um, Dead first, Sunday school teacher second. Um, So everybody that's teenager and younger has to say where. Does that, that help? I'll give you some help. Huh? They say the question. I've got the joy, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. I've got the joy, joy,
0: joy.
4: Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I think they're going to outdo you. What happened to you? Where's my guitar player? Did you get shy this morning? Hold up here, come here, come here, talk here, talk to me. Here, can you give me a of... yeah, minute? Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, we have what? Which one? Which one? Your burdens, okay. We'll get we'll sing that one next. There, okay. Here we go. Okay, I got the peace that passes understanding. You think they're gonna outdo you? Okay, we're saying the question. Okay, I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Down in my heart, down in my heart. In my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, I think they did it, they beat you, you need the Chilton kids here or something to help you guys out. Hmm. All right, which one do you want to do? I can't hear you. Well, I say what your sisters can say. hear all the way You could hear them all the way over there? I All right. All right, Jason.
0: I mean... Good luck
4: laying down in between the benches. Cast
0: your burdens
4: unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus higher. Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Did you want to do jumping? Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you think you could?
4: Do you think you could jump on the Lord's side? I How can you jump on the Lord's side? Oh, we know how you can pray on the Lord's side. And how you can lean on the Lord's. How can you jump on the Lord's side? I can do on the side. If you fall off. Oh, I don't know where you went with that one. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, okay. So whose side are you singing on? Tell me whose side are you singing on? singing on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you singing
0: on? I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing the Lord's side. I
4: sing, I sing, I sing, I sing. I'm singing on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you jumping on?
0: Tell me whose
4: side are you jumping on? I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, by, am jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, i jumping on the Lord's side. Oh, man. All right. Is there anybody you guys want to come up this morning? So who do you want, Michael up here?
0: Yes. What song do you want to do with Michael? Michael and Rojas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Michael. They
4: voted you up here, Michael. Yeah? <laughs> yep.
0: Okay.
4: So which song are you going to make them do?
0: Uh, flying on the right, No, we're done with that one. We got to find something else. Can we can fly? We can't fly the No. All
4: right. What, what do you think? What songs should we make them do? Which one do you want to do? You think he can handle it? He might be too big for that song. Okay, we'll try that one. Jesus loves me this i Yeah, right.
3: Of all, I was thinking we are missing a little girl who's almost always here and who we all love. Who is that?
0: <laughs>
3: Lexi, right? Did you know that she is sick at home? So I was thinking we should pray for Lexi. What do you guys think? Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would be near to Lexi right now. And God, I pray that you would heal her body and that you would comfort her and you would help her to feel better. And I pray, God, that today she would start feeling better if it's not against your will. Thank you so much for the joy that she is. And I pray you would bless her today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I brought a backpack with me. Well, I was thinking you guys go to school with backpacks probably, right? What do you guys have in your school backpacks? And why do you take a backpack to school?
0: So we can hold our binders, our lunchbox, and our water bottle. Yes,
3: all the things you need for the day, right? Pencils, maybe crayons. Okay, you bring pencils in your backpack? Well, yes, what do you bring, Caleb? Oh, yeah, sometimes they do crafts. I know some of us are homeschooled, so we don't all have backpacks, but, yeah, so I want to, do you have any idea what I have in my backpack today? Something that I'm going to need in school? No! What? A whisk? Here, you hold on to that. What else do I have in my backpack? Uh, Let's see. Oh! (laughs) <laughs> Socks, they're clean, you hang on to those, <laughs>
0: what else do I have,
3: what, salt, you want to hang on to the salt, we sure are going to need those at school, let's see, ooh, a flashlight, Kayla, Bye. you hang on to the flashlight, give it to Kayla, bud, ooh, boy, what do we got here, <laughs> I think I'll give that to Blakey. You hang on to that. What else do we have? What? you just never know. Okay. Oh, you're gonna hang on to the toothbrush. Is that it? Oh, Benny, you need something. Some sunglasses, you hang on to that. Okay. I want you guys to tell me what these are useful for. What do you do with these? Um Baking stuff. Baking and mixing, right? What in the world do you do with socks?
0: Wear them. Wear them. Why do you wear socks?
3: They keep your feet warm. Yes. Benny, why in the world are you wearing sunglasses? Why do you wear? (laughs) Hello? Why do you wear sunglasses?
0: So the sun doesn't get in the eyes. That's
3: right. What do you do with the hammer?
0: Destroy stuff. <laughs> You're
3: getting smart now.
0: Destroy more stuff. <laughs> For hammers and nails? Yeah. build stuff? What do you use plastic? It's the the dark.
3: Food. To make food taste a lot better. And one more, what do you use? Oh, a toothbrush. For. What do you use?
5: That? Uh, to brush your teeth.
3: To make, make them food. clean, right? Now, you guys are probably thinking, what in the world does this have to do with a Sunday school lesson? Uh, right? Well, you know what I wanted to tell you is that in God's kingdom, he uses so many different kinds of people. All for one purpose And that is to build up The body and to build His kingdom Okay The body of Christ Yes,
0: Benny
3: Yes, okay Alright, so I have an idea What? How are different ways that we can use Our talents, what God has given us The special abilities that God has given us What are some ways that we can use them Hey, shh in the body of Christ, for his glory, for Jesus, for his work um, in this world? How are, how are some ways that we can use? How could you use being a Um For good, for God. Um, Helping my mom make? Yeah. Or making food for people maybe when they come to your house, right? Making food for people. What are some ways that, well, you can use socks to, to give socks to people when they're cold and they need some clothes or a hammer to build up the body, right? There's so many different ways that God wants us to use all of our abilities for the kingdom of God and to build up um, and to do his work. So I have some people in the Bible, and they had lots of different personalities. God uses He loves unique personalities. That's why he created us all different. And we like to do different things. Um, And there were some people in the Bible that he used. So I'm going to give you a couple sentences and I want you to try to figure out who it is that I'm talking about. Okay? See if we can do it without the adults' help. All right. This guy, he was a fisherman, he was one of Jesus' disciples. He denied Jesus three times, but he was used mightily in building up the church. Who who was it? Peter? Yes. Very good. It was Peter. I don't know about that. Okay. The next one, he was a tent maker. JJ, this guy was a tent maker. He persecuted Christians. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. He went on missionary journeys. He wrote most of the New Testament. Who was he? Paul. Very good. This one might be a little bit harder. This person was a seamstress, like your mom. She was a believer. She made clothes for widows. She died and was brought back to life by Peter. Do you guys remember her name? No. Oh. Here, shall we put the salt back in the in the backpack? You just want to hang on to it? Okay. Anybody else know?
0: Dorcas.
3: Dorcas, yes. She was a seamstress um, and a believer. Okay, another one. He was a doctor. He traveled on missionary journeys with Paul. He wrote one of the Gospels as well as Acts.
4: Do you guys know?
3: Matthew, Mark...
0: What <laughs> comes in between?
3: Matthew, Mark, mm. Luke. You said it. Very good. Luke. Okay. And then two sisters that were homemakers had a brother that Jesus brought back to life. One anointed Jesus before he died. They were two sisters. It's the guy brother. Okay. So their brother had died having a hard time remembering the names. Okay, let's see Lydia. What are the names? Mary and, Mary and Martha. Yes. They were the sisters. So God used all these different kind of people for one reason and that was to build the church. Okay, one more. He was an encourager. He stood up in defense of Paul and he went on missionary journeys. Ooh, this is a tough one. Do you guys remember? No. No? Okay. Anybody? He was an encourager, stood up in defense of Paul, went on missionary journeys. Barnabas. Very good. Barnabas. Okay. So what is the one thing all of these people had in common and one thing that we should all have in common? Did they all love Jesus and they love God and they wanted to serve him? Yes. And that is our heart too. They wanted to see the church grow by how? By people coming to know Jesus. Right? So it takes all kinds. Right? And do you think God can use us? Yes. I think too he can. Do you guys remember last week or two weeks ago I had told you to do something, and I said, I'm going to follow up and see if you were able to do it. Do you remember? Okay, can you let him go? Do you remember what I had asked you to do? No. Ooh. we talked about a treasure chest and, built, and um, putting treasure in heaven. Do you remember that? And so I said, you're all siblings, so you should think of one thing that you can do to your siblings to to um, put treasure in heaven. Do you remember? Did you guys kind of forget to do something? Okay. So let's try this week to do at least one or two things for your brothers or sisters that would be helpful, that would be kind, and putting treasure in heaven, okay? Okay. Oh, man. Well, you know what? You can actually keep it. But everything else needs to go back in. Yep. And you guys can go back to your parents.
5: Good morning. morning. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We have quite a few visitors here today. It's an honor to have you here with us. We have Yoder family, extended Yoder family. It's really an honor to have you here. Thank you for coming. We'll be blessed by being here. Virgil and Jackie, it's great to see you here. Mark, we yeah. have Byers here. Martin's in the back. Oh, we've got a Bunch of people, wait May, can't forget you guys. Um, it is an honor to have you all here. We look forward to continuing our time of fellowship together. For a few announcements, uh, most of them are in your bulletins if you have them. This week, for those of you ladies that are able to, there's an event that uh, Katie is hosting on Tuesday afternoon. Details of that are in here for the ladies, and Katie can fill you in more on that if you need some more details. Um, next Sunday is our Communion Sunday. The, every time we have a fifth Sunday of the month, we use that time to have a special service, a, a Communion service. Uh, remembering the death and resurrection of our Savior and the plan that was given to us for salvation, and it's a it's a blessed time. Also, that Sunday, we do not have a lunch following the service as we do all the other Sundays, so keep that in mind for next Sunday. Friday night, February the 4th, not this coming Friday night, but the next is our monthly game night here at the church at 6.30, hosted by the Schroders. If you're all uh, well enough to put that on. It's good to see John here. Their family has been plagued with a lot of sickness. It still seems to be making its round. I think they take turns coming to church for that. So (laughs) it's a blessing to have you here this morning, John. Um, What else do we have? There is coffee, tea, water back in the foyer. Please help yourselves to that. Those of you that are new in the building here, our restaurant facilities are down that hall to my left. I think that is it for the announcements. Again, it's it's an honor to have each one of you here. We do have a, a meal following the service and invite all of you to, to stay and join in that time of fellowship. It's it's a great time of continued fellowship around the Word of God and just, uh, encouragement to each other. Phil's going to be bring the message this morning, so let's bow our heads in prayer and ask that the Lord would open his word to us this morning. Father, we come to you. I thank you for your presence here with us this morning. I thank you for how you have already spoken to us through the songs and your spirit moving in our midst, and I pray that our worship is acceptable to you this morning. And I pray now, Father, that as we come to your word, that that you would open your word to each one of our hearts and minds. I pray, Father, that it would not just be something that we hear to make us feel good, but that we would understand fully that these are the words of eternal life and that they would go deep into our hearts, into our minds, and bring lasting change to each one of our lives, changing us into your image. I pray for my brother Phil as he preaches your word. Father, that you would give him the words that each one of us need to hear from you this morning. We commit this time to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: One yep. It's amazing to me how the Lord um, comforts his people and brings closure in a sense of, maybe closure isn't the right word. Comfort and grace, I like that better. Comfort in the state we're in, but grace to move forward. Grace to keep on living and walking with Jesus. All of us need that grace, right? I was praying about that grace in my life this past week, and the Lord took me to Micah. And as I was pondering about how to walk in grace with Jesus Christ, Micah 6, verse 8, the Lord brought deep into my heart and kind of set in front of me as an instructive word. Has the Lord ever done that with you? You know, there are things that the Lord gives you freedom to do. You feel like God has given you freedom to do this, and I call that His permissive will. He gives you permission. uh, Our children do it all the time, right? Dad, can I go do this? Mom, can I have an apple? Mom, can I have some candy? Mom, and we say yes, or sometimes we say no. It's permission granted. But then there are times when as parents, we look at our children and we say, son or daughter, I want you to go do this. And do it now. In a clear, instructive word, this was one of those for me. He has told you, old oh man, old oh person, he has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What is he telling you to do today to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God the voice of the Lord will call to the city and that was that instructive word God's voice is coming to you into your life into your city saying these words I've told you what to do today this is what to do, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There's a word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the Lord put together with this word for me. You may turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm sorry, it's chapter 4. And this is an interesting word. For me it is anyway. Uh, I was having a, a discussion with a few brothers here some weeks ago. And as we were talking about this word, the Lord brought this question to my heart. Perhaps this is the most neglected, disobeyed word in the whole New Testament. Let's read it together and see if you find it that way in your life. It's a very simple word. He says in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. They had no problem with loving each other in this church. It was flowing from them. They were taught of God. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. It wasn't just a local expressed love in their local congregation it was to the whole region these were a bunch of loving people then paul says but i want to show you how to excel even more in this love let's see if if you find this a more excellent way in your life to increase your love for christ and the church the brothers and sisters but we urge you, brethren, verse 10, to excel still more. And this is the way, to make it your ambition. This is the goal of my life. When you make something your ambition, you get excited about it, right? You say, I've got a goal, and this is what I'm going to do today. Maybe it's Cleaning your house. You've been wanting to do it for a long time, women. Or maybe it's some instruction or schooling you wanted to do with the kids. Or maybe it's visiting the neighbor or, or doing some kind of ministry in your life. Or maybe for us men, it's a financial goal or it's a business goal or it's, it's a goal, a, a fatherly duty to our children's goal. It may be very simple. It may seem quite lofty and spiritual to us. Look at the goal that will increase your, Your love for Jesus and for the church. Is this your goal? Is this the ambition of your life to increase love? Look what he says. Verse 11. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Huh. How does that increase my love for God and for people? Has it yours? To lead a quiet life, to attend to your own business, or some translation said, mind your own business. Set your mind on your own business. The work that God gave you to do, set your mind on that. And to work with your own hands. I'll just try to manage, micromanage others. Take the bull by the horns, as we say, get your hands dirty. Go out there and do the work that God has given you to do. To make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, attend to your own business, and work with your hands just as we commanded you. This was no suggestion that Paul gave this church. This was, this is an instructive word for you today. Do this. Your Father in heaven is saying, son... Daughter, I've given you something to do. Do this. Do justice. Love, mercy, or the word is kindness. Walk humbly with me today and do it this way. Lead a quiet life. A quiet heart. Elizabeth Elliot called it. Doing your work with a quiet heart. Heart that is the other word for that is a heart at rest, a restful heart. Boy, if you guys don't think that's a big goal, maybe you haven't tried it. Minding your own business. How many of you guys get into your car? A simple thing is just going down the road, and you not one time on that trip to town or if you're living in town, wherever you've gone, you went to do your business and you came back and you didn't even once mind somebody else's business on that trip? Have you been successful at that? Hmm? That semi just cut you right off. Poor semi drivers. I like to pick on them or the old ladies. I don't know why we always called Call the grandmas into this one, right? She pulled out right in front of me. What was she thinking? And you give her a piece of your mind. Are you minding her business or your business? It gets pretty practical, brothers and sisters. This is the increase of love. And to work with your own hands. The Lord gave me this kind of illustration in my heart as I've been pondering this and making it my goal in the last month, especially. I've seen it as two legs of the body. You know, the Lord gave us this truth in Matthew 22 when a lawyer came to Jesus and he was testing him and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life, master? Do you remember what Jesus told him? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I've seen these as two legs, structural legs. These two truths are like the function of those legs. The leg is of the body, which supports the whole body. One leg is Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It will be a support to your whole life. The other one is loving your neighbor. But this is kind of like the muscles that do that. And I've seen in my life, I can have those two legs, kind of those two bodies of truth in my heart. But it's a little like some of you here remember that Katie and I had a son, Christian. And he was never able to walk. His legs were just fine. If you looked at his legs, they were normal, shaped normal. You wouldn't have seen anything different than anyone else's legs. But when you took him and set him up on those legs, and he was a big boy by the time the Lord took him home, almost eight years old, about this tall, and we would set him up, hold him up by his arms, and try to put some weight on his legs, and his legs would just go... And if you left him go, he'd just crumble to the floor. The legs couldn't do anything for him. They didn't work for him. I wonder if your love for God and your love for your fellow man do anything for you. Do they work it out? And to me, these two... One of the Old Testament, one in the New, are both saying the same thing. They are the functional part of those two bodies of truth that support the whole life of Jesus Christ in us. And they work it out. Now, as David says in Psalm 119, I love that word. He says, Your word gives light to my path. But then he says this the unveiling of your word gives light some people say the unpacking but i like i like to think of it as when you unveil something you unwrap it you have a gift and you take out off all the fancy wrapping that they put on there you know it's interesting when you give your child a birthday gift or maybe at christmas time if you exchange gifts and you give someone a gift what does what's the first thing a child does with it <laughs> just rips the wrapping right off i mean mom can spend so much time wrapping this gift nice and putting on a pretty bow and a card. Kid doesn't care about it, right? No, Nobody even hardly reads the card. I want to get to the gift. And I've seen that sometimes the Lord gives gifts to us that way. We want to get to the gift. However, the gift may lose its function. I'll give you an illustration. A couple years ago, for Christmas, I was given a gift, and... It was, as I unwrapped it, it was one of those little DeWalt bags with a cordless drill and a cordless flashlight and a a few cordless tools and, and a pack of screws and all kinds of things that go along with that. And in the last two years, that gift has been hugely functional for me. I've used it all the time. I mean, I'm in construction, so it was a very useful gift that that person gave to me. This last Christmas, I was also given a gift, and as I unwrapped it, it was a set of hunting knives, all kinds of different shapes and forms. And I looked at it, and I said, thank you. You know what I did with that gift? I have a little attic up there in our workplace. I was like, what should I do with this? I don't know, I'll just put it up in the attic. I don't want I don't hunt. At least I haven't yet. I don't find it useful. The hunting knives don't apply to my everyday use. And I wonder sometimes if when God gives us gifts, those two responses can be in our lives. I see it in my life. There are times I can take the gift and think, I don't know how to apply this in my life. so I just put it in the attic. I just store it up here somewhere. But the Lord has given us a gift, and the gift he gives us, he wants us to make it useful in his work that he gives us to do. And these, as we unveil these, his word, he tells us how to make it useful. I'm sure if I was serious about hunting and I said, okay, boys, let's go hunting. The boys are like that a lot, right? That we would make those knives useful. And maybe that's what God wants me to do. I don't know. Maybe it was a hint hint kind of thing. I didn't hear him giving me the instruction word. And that's sometimes how we treat God's word in our life, right? We just take it and we go, I don't really know what to do with this. It's not what I do. I'm not a hunter's guide. It's not something I use every day in my life. So today, as you look into this word and we unveil it, my prayer is that the Lord would show you, give it to you as an instructive word. This is how you can make it useful in your life. Let's look first at Micah chapter 6, verse 8. This is an instructive word the Lord is requiring of us, and it's good to do justice. What do you think of when you think of that word justice? If the Lord were to tell you this morning, today, I want you to do justice, what would you do? Anyone? Be fair. fair. Okay, to do what's right. Whatever you're thinking in your mind, I want to share with you a truth of how the Lord shared it with me. What is justice? How do I get to live out justice in my life? Turn your Bibles with me to another word, a very transformative word in the book of Habakkuk. Some of you know this book, and you know probably where I'm going. This book is a transformative word because this is the word that Apostle Paul found very transformative in his life. It is, it was his go-to word that transformed how he pleased God with his whole life. It was that instructive word. Apostle Paul was one of those guys that didn't mess around. He was serious. He had goals in his life. And he tells us about that, right? In Philippians 3, he says, I was zealous even more than all my counterparts about what I thought was right and to do what I thought was right. Then the Lord took this word and transformed his life. This is also the word that transformed Martin Luther's life and began, as we know it, the great reformation of that day and that whole era and transformed many others' lives with it. It was the illumining word, the unveiling of this word, Radically changed their lives and what they were doing with it. Now, in the book of Habakkuk, I don't know if you guys have read this or studied this, but Habakkuk finds himself in a in a precarious situation. Israel is being surrounded by the armies of Babylon. Babylon is and and the, and the Chaldeans through Nebuchadnezzar's kingdoms are expanding throughout all the world. It was it was their the great expanse time of that kingdom, and Israel was under attack, and Habakkuk is complaining to God about it. And he looks around at his neighbors and the, and the spiritual situation in, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria in Israel, and this is what he says. How long, verse two, O Lord, will I call for help and Thou wilt not hear? I cry to Thee, violence. Yet thou dost not save. Why dost thou make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore justice comes out perverted. Look among the nations, observe. The Lord answers him here in this word. Okay, Habakkuk, look among the nations. Observe, be astonished and wonder, because I am doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. So in chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk quits his complaining. And he says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run, may be useful. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it certainly will come. It will not delay. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. He's going to miss this. That's what he's saying. As for the proud one, he's going to miss The marvelous thing I'm going to do about all this injustice in the land. The wickedness that seems to be exploding everywhere in front of me. What am I to do with it? A proud one. He, his soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. Is that justice to you? It is to God. Paul looked at this word and he said, that becomes the righteousness of man. Your faith becomes to God how he reckons you as righteous, as justice. How he works out his righteousness on the earth is through the faith in human hearts and minds. While they live, in a world where wickedness is rampant and exploding around them. In Galatians chapter 3. Oh, I love this word. Because it's, it's transformative. He then uses, here Paul uses this argument of faith... In Actually, in, in chapter 2, verse 16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified, made justice or right by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Verse 7 of chapter 3. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, who foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations shall be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Verse 11, now now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident for, here it is, the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul took that word in Habakkuk and said, this is how the righteous man is to live in a wicked world, how he's to do justice. And I find in my life, So often, when I come to the point of Habakkuk and I'm crying out about injustice, whether it's done personally to me, or I see it around the world, or I see it in my own heart, and I'm moaning before the Lord, deliver me from this injustice, the Lord gives me one answer. Faith. Faith in me and in my word will bring justice in your own heart. It will make it right. It will be reckoned to you as righteousness. And this is very important because it leads us into the next two. And it puts it all together in my life at one time. But faith is that which I come to him like Habakkuk. What was Habakkuk's response to the Lord when the Lord spoke to him and said, Hold on. Wait for it. What did he say? What would he do? I'll be quiet and I'll wait. I'll stand on my rampart and I'll be quiet and wait for the Lord. I'll look for his righteousness to come into my life. That's exactly the goal that Paul said to the church at Thessalonians should be our ambition. That's why a quiet heart is so important. That heart of rest and quietness as we wait for the Lord to do His work. Whether it's in my own heart, the goals that I have, the spiritual goals, the needs I see in my life, or in others. If you miss this, at best, I think we'll be a Martha. Have you found yourself... A Martha. You know what I'm referring to? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus comes to a, his friend's house, and he comes with, you know, 12 men, hungry men. They probably walked, I don't know, quite some distance. They were hungry. And Martha's a bit overwhelmed. I don't know how big her house is, but what she's thinking is, I've got to feed these 12 hungry men. And by the way, this is Jesus she knew she recognized it was Jesus because she said so in her confession when Lazarus died and she said I know you are the Lord you're the Messiah so she had a lot of pressure on her don't you think and Jesus said she missed the one good part Mary when Jesus comes and the men are around And there's a discussion and Jesus begins to talk and speak. And I don't know what he was all saying. But Mary says, I'm going to go sit right here and listen to Jesus' words. We'll get to the food later. Turn your Bibles with me to that account. Because I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And as I looked at this beautiful word, Luke chapter 10 verse 38 is where the story begins. And in verse 41, the Lord answered to her, Mary. Well, actually, I'll back up. Let's just read it. Now, as they were traveling along, verse 38, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who, moreover, was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Have you ever had that feeling? Whether it's to your siblings or to your husband or your wife. You're in a situation. There's a lot of preparations to be done. And someone's just sitting around. And you're going, Lord, don't you care? Seriously. Tell her. Well, I prayed that prayer more than once. Have n't you, be honest. Lord, tell him to help me. I didn't want to, you know, be unkind, so I just, Lord, tell her. You do not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. I like Martha's honesty, and the Lord did too. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered. About so many things. That word worried is anxious. But only a few things are necessary. Really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part. Which should not be taken away from her. The quiet heart. You know why a quiet heart is so important? Because an anxious heart doesn't listen well. And the Holy Spirit isn't one to yell at you when he wants your attention. Rather, he's one who's watching for quiet hearts. He can speak a word in tune, and Then we'll listen. And that's what Jesus said is the one really good part of life. No wonder, Paul said, you want to have your love increase for God? You want to have these two legs function? as bodies of truth in your life and make it useful in your life, the first ambition that should be your goal every day is to have a quiet heart, quiet life. And then just do what the Lord tells you to do. Boy, that's transformative. And you know how it hit Paul? You know some, for some reason, growing up, listening to Paul's story and how the Holy Spirit came down and arrested his attention on the road to Damascus, and this man was, I, I just, I don't know, I imagine Paul a loud man, you know, kind of, he just voices his words. I don't know if he was or not, but he, he, he seemed to be, as some people recognize, the chief speaker when he and Barnabas went out and ministered. I don't think he was necessarily a quiet, reserved individual. But when the Lord spoke to him and arrested him on that day, his attention with a bright light blinding his eyes. You know what his response was? Anyone tell me? And then what did he do? What did he do after that? How did he obey? Well, you should read it. He went and fasted. And prayed for days. Look at it with me. In Acts chapter 9. And Saul got up, verse 8. And Saul got up from the ground. And though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Quiet, heart Transformed his life. After that quietness, his ambition and his goal completely changed. And it led him to do justice. What he thought was justice wasn't Christ's justice at all. It completely reversed. And now, as he says in Romans chapter 4, this is how this justice worked out in his life. Verse 16 For this reason, it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace. In order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the sight of him who he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. I remember years ago. Dear brother, spiritual, look, because he was a spiritual dad to me. Preached a sermon on the are not of God. Brother Denny Kenniston. I'll never forget that sermon by God's grace. Speak strongly into my heart this truth. This is what happened to Apostle Paul and the church. And it revolutionized not only his life, everyone around him, the whole church was deeply affected and is to this day because of this experience of justice in Paul's life. What he thought was justice to what Jesus said is justice in his life. Faith. The just shall live by his faith. In Jesus Christ, come to a quiet heart And God gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist in hope, against hope he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy descendants be. This faith leads us into the next phase of this truth to do justice and to love mercy. Why? Because mercy and kindness to it's the same Greek word. Some translations say mercy, some say kindness. When you and I experience mercy, that becomes God's justice to me. And then I can give God's justice, Christ's justice to others. How are you justified before God through your works? Through the works of the law. How are you made? Righteous. Declared righteous before a holy God. Declared no sin. I love the word in Jude. Declared blameless. There's no blame to go around anymore. There's none on your life. Not even one. And you stand in his presence. Blameless before him. How will you stand there? How is that possible? Only one way. Mercy. No wonder we should love mercy like this. This is what happened to Apostle Paul right there on the road to Damascus, right? What he received from the Lord that day was mercy. That's what he tells Timothy. I was the chiefest of sinners, but I received mercy on that day. And from that day on... Apostle Paul wasn't killing anyone. What was he doing? Giving mercy. Preaching a ministry of reconciliation. Drawing people back to God to receive this promise. In chapter 4 of Romans he says, verse 6, verse 5, But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is reckoned as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed. Here's the blessing. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. This is the blessing of Abraham, he's saying. This is the blessing Paul experienced when he seen when the Lord unveiled his justice and said to Paul, Do justly. Love mercy. That is the most amazing truth. God could give me and you to live. The most amazing instructive word. Because it's only through his divine influence of grace that he put on Paul's life and on our life that even unveils it, unwraps the gift, and gives it to us to use, to increase love. This blessedness, the forgiveness of David, Isaiah 55, God says, is the new covenant that he'll promise to every one of us. Look at these words. It's amazing. Isaiah chapter 55. Verse 2. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance incline your ear quiet your heart come to me and hear that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant promise with you what promise have you heard God-making with you that will last for all your eternal existence. What is that promise that's the anchor of your soul that you know for sure when you die and stand in his presence, you'll be blameless? Is it this one? Or is it something you do to somehow earn that? This is the one that Paul embraced and made his own. And this is the one that you and I, the only one that will give us eternal life. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Oh, I love that. Because we all know where that's going, right? We all know. That's how David died a righteous man. Not because he deserved it. But in his failures. Not only One numerous. He found the true mercy of God in his life. And he lived out those mercies. And Jesus said, those mercies are real. And When you and I take, receive Christ's justice, let him justify us, and we begin to live in this faith, it leads us the first step is to receive mercy and forgiveness and then to give it out to others you want to do justice today forgive others your first step of justice god's justice in your life and the lives of others around you forgive others without that there is no justice not god's justice you might be going around like apostle paul when your own righteousness and trying to force it down upon everybody else and bring justice to a land that's full of injustice but what god wants to do is bring his justice living it through your heart into others hearts and he declares that plainly to us in matthew chapter 18 right Where Jesus gives us that beautiful story about the slave who had all this debt. And his master came to him and said, I'm going to put you in prison until you can pay everything. And he begs for mercy and the the master says, you're forgiven everything. And this slave goes out and finds a fellow slave who owed him a a little bit of money compared to what he owed. And Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 18... So will your father treat you. Verse 35. So shall my heavenly father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Dear brother and sister, I don't know about you, but I need this function every day of my life. From the little person who cuts me off in the road to the big deals. You know, somebody says something that's not true or somebody does an injustice to me financially or somebody robs my car or somebody... How? What happens in your heart? What do you do with all the injustice of sin and iniquity around you? You can try to go at it your way and fix it your way. But you won't be any more successful than Apostle Paul was. But when the Lord comes and reckons His justice in your life through faith, the just begin to live by their faith. And He shows you mercy. And you open your heart and you receive that forgiveness. And then you begin to deal with all the injustice around you by letting that forgiveness flow through you. That is the power of God. I'm going to read you a story. You may have heard this story. I was deeply intrigued again by it. How many of you have heard of Corey ten Boom? Yep, we've all known that lady, right? Most Christians have. She says, I'm still learning to forgive. I was in a church in Munich, Germany, that I saw him a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of Jews in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me. Ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück, concentration camp where we were sent. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, no. He did not remember me. I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well line his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and I could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been Many seconds that he stood there. Forgiveness with his hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do that. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition. That we forgive those who injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses and i still and still i stood there with the coldness clutching my heart but forgiveness is not an emotion i knew that too forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart jesus help me i prayed silently i can lift my hand i can do that much you supply the feeling and so Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arms, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God.
5: Amen. Thank you, Phil, for once again faithfully sharing the word and it gives us a lot to uh, digest and take into our hearts and minds throughout this coming week. So let's all commit to doing that, to feed on God's word. That brings us to the close of this part of our service. As I mentioned, we'll be having a meal served and a time of fellowship along with that, so please stay and enjoy that time with us. Let's all stand, and we'll have a closing prayer and a blessing on the new meal. Thank you, Father, for the time we've had here together this morning to worship you and to gather around your word and to hear from you this morning. I pray, Father, that we would take your word into our lives and that we would be changed from day to day in your image by what we have heard here this morning. I pray a blessing on our time of fellowship this afternoon, that it would be upbuilding, uplifting, encouraging to each one of our lives. Thank you for the food that you provided. We pray your blessing on it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.